0: AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at reproduction. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. January soybean futures had an almost 50 cent trading range this week but ended just slightly below last friday's close and while usda reports increased volatility in the grains the big news and the market feature of the week was unfortunately in the cattle complex
1: live from the final news lap of the week via farm journal broadcast this is agri talk this afternoon we'll chat with chris swift from swift trading company I'm a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, uh, here we are right at the end of the week. and We're right up to it. Mm-hmm. We are absolutely
0: right up to it. And as I was putting together the changes for the week, obviously some numbers really, really jumped off the page at me. But <laughs> um, yeah. the uh, one of the things that I think is, is really important as we're going through this and I don't talk percentage change in price uh, very often. Okay. But there's a couple of times that I'm going to mention it as we go through the through the, uh, the weekly changes today. Because I think it adds some important perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's some perspective that I think is going to help in the conversation with Chris Swift from Swift Trading Company when he gets on here in just a bit. And by the way, you guys, here's the deal. This cattle market did some crazy stuff this week. There's people that are more than a little upset with what is going on. And uh, I sent a note to Chris yesterday and said, hey, man, can you come on and talk about this? I adjusted some schedules. And he was like, absolutely, I'm coming. And so, you know, man, already a tip of the hat to Chris for being willing to to come on the show and talk about what's going on in this cattle. Yeah, for sure.
1: You said you didn't want to talk percentages. I'll talk percentages. I am 110% excited about this conversation. Really? Timely. Timely. Absolutely. Yes. Let's figure out what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if everybody's really going to appreciate what what I think is going on in the cattle market or what has happened. But uh, sometimes a little... uh, Maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll find out what Chris thinks.
2: Wow. That's we'll quite out the what setup.
0: Chris it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's uh, you know, I always talk about this in the cattle trade. And I think about it more in the cash market. And it hasn't happened for a long time. Okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: The, this has not happened for a long time. But when the cattle market starts going up, it used to be the guys would just kind of sit back and wait and those cattle would keep getting bigger, and they'd back up the marketings, and then all of a sudden, once the trucks started to roll, they didn't stop until they were more than current, and the cash market just would take a crap.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: they'd shoot, the cattlemen would shoot themselves in the foot with that kind of herd mentality on marketing. This time, I think that herd mentality was in the futures market. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And uh, uh, Chris and I will talk about that. As we get on to it, let's get That's to the awesome. news. What do you got, yeah, man?
1: Well, volatility in the wheat market expanded into midweek. Then front month software to winter wheat futures spent the final two days of the week inside of that Wednesday's trading range. Positioning ahead of Thursday's USDA reports influenced trade to midweek with a bigger than expected U.S. wheat carryover estimate encouraging selling into the end of the week. Front month SRW ended the week testing support at the short term uptrend from the October 31 low the forecast for hard red winter wheat country is mostly dry for the next 10 days, mm-hmm. but that should limit selling. But traders will be watching for headlines from the Black Sea to direct price action. December HRW wheat futures seven and one quarter cents lower, six forty. December SRW down five and a half, five seventy five and a quarter. December spring wheat closed at seven thirty and one half. That's down four cents today. Chip.
0: Yeah, on the week, a bit of a mixed bag. December SRW futures up two and three quarter cents. December HRW down three and a half cents. And December spring wheat futures up nine
1: and a half cents. Looky there. Well, December corn futures saw the lowest prices today since July 28 of 2021. The contract (laughs) did bounce off session lows, but still posted a low range close. Front month corn yesterday was driven lower by the increase in the 2023 corn crop estimate and an increase in estimated 23.24 carryover. Today's price pressure was driven by a technical breakdown after December corn closed below 4.70 yesterday. Price pressure was added this week by improved growing conditions in Argentina and by the lack of a cut to the Brazilian corn crop outlook from Conab. Traders in the week ahead will be watching export demand and the weather forecast for Brazil's northern production areas. Here at home, December corn futures were 4 cents lower, 4.64. March corn down three and three quarter cents at 479. May corn futures closed at 488 and a half. Down three cents. Technical damage in the corns, Chip. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you know, the pendulum probably swung too far to the upside back in the middle of June As when we does. had the rally. Yep. It yep. feels like the pendulum may be starting to swing a little bit too far to the downside. Only time will tell on that. December yep. corn on the week, down 13 and a quarter. March corn on the week, down 13 and a quarter.
1: Soybean futures spent most of the week trading above last Friday's close, but yesterday's sell-off triggered by the bigger-than-expected crop and carryover estimates turned prices to the downside. January beans today opened slightly higher, dropped to within a penny of yesterday's low, and then recovered to close above the opening range. This inside trading day suggests the market is entering a consolidation phase. Export demand news and the forecast for Brazil's northern production areas will drive price action on Sunday night today. The forecast calls for more hot and dry conditions. Mm-hmm. January beans were four cents higher, 13.47 and a half. March beans up three and a quarter, 13.60 and three quarters. May soybean futures closed at 13.71 and one half. That's up two cents today. Okay,
0: on the week, January soybeans down four and a quarter. March soybeans down five and three quarters. December soybean oil was up 184 points Deese meal was up seven dollars and thirty cents, so you got wow. the products trading higher with yep. beans lowered. Now it sounds like meal had the had a great week, up seven dollars and thirty cents. Deese bean oil was up three point seven percent this week. Deese meal up one point seven percent.
1: Well, front month cotton futures got comfortable below eighty cents this week. Chart watchers are looking for a test of support at the June 27 low of 7,701 December cotton. Today, however, 80 points higher, 77.32, Chip.
0: Yeah, on the week, still down 230 points. Mm. Tough week for cotton.
1: Aggressive long liquidation, a technical breakdown, and increased hedge pressure all drove live, and feeder cattle futures sharply lower this week, although feeder cattle did use today's lower corn prices to post a solid upside recovery. December fat cattle 17 and one half cents lower 174.17 and a half. The February contract actually gained 17 and a half cents yep. to 174.65. January feeder futures up a buck 50 to 42 and a half. Chip, how'd the cattle do on the week?
0: Dees live cattle down $9.70. Ah. January feeders down $13.32.5. Wow. It sounds like a winner for the feed yards because of that. Ten dollar loss in cattle, thirteen dollar loss in feeders. On a percentage basis, these live cattle down five point three percent, and January feeder cattle down five point seven percent.
1: Well finally here, lean hog trade was wicked choppy this week, with prices trading on both sides of seventy two fifty today. December hogs were forty five cents higher, seventy one ninety. February hogs up thirty seven and one half today to close at seventy five fifty seven and one half, Chip.
0: Yeah, and today's gain in DS Live Hogs got us up 15.15 cents on the week, a 0.2% gain. Look at that, what Hogs did when cattle were trading all over the place. Just a, a weird, weird week in the livestock. And we're going to try to get an explanation of what is going on from Chris Swift, Swift Trading Company, up next.
4: Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No
1: problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag agritalk.
2: I don't know, dude. What do you
1: got? Do you get to change the name of your company to X, but keep the cute little uh, title of the messaging system? Can you still send tweets?
0: Can you still send? Yeah, I think so. I I'm Or is it a Twix that we're now I don't know what it is.
1: Oh, bro, that was awesome. I, I, I don't know what it, it is. It might be a Twix. Send us a Twix. <laughs> at pound sign, AgriTalk. Can we go back we, to calling it a pound sign now instead of a hashtag?
0: Sure, sure. I <laughs> don't care not? what the rest of the world is calling it. We're going to call it a Twix.
1: A Twix. I love that. Yes, stamp <laughs> it. Stamp is it right
0: it. side or left side?
1: You know, I'll take the one in the middle.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Yes. Wild week in the cattle trade, and we are going to mm-hmm. have a conversation about what is going on and what it might mean for the future with Chris Swift from Swift Trading Company. He joins us right now. Chris, thank you so much for making time for us today, buddy. We appreciate it, and welcome. Welcome.
2: Thank you, Chip. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to be on your show, sir.
0: Good, good, good. I love to hear that. Okay, um, I, I think, I think it has been well documented and it is well understood. the The fundamentals, the situation that took us to the highs that we we traded to in the cattle market. Heck, Chris, today. I just realized I I was watching Fox Business over over the lunch hour and they had a report on beef prices and they led with drought and a reduced cow herd. I was so impressed that they got to that point in their report. So, you know, kudos to them. So that's all been well documented. But what I want to know is how the positioning of the markets and the market participants contributed to what happened in in the market this week. What's your take?
2: So, Chip, beef production is a marathon. It's not a dash. And what we saw earlier this year and on into the summer was producers wanting to expand. They held back heifers. They bought cows pregnant cows with a calf on their side they did things that would lead you to believe that expansion was going to begin to take place in 23. when the fall of the year came as you stated weather became a very big issue and while some areas had good feedstuffs others did not and we continue to work on this drought issue of water but more than anything the price alone Mm -hmm. began to turn some of these marathon runners into 100-yard dashers. And they Mm -hmm. saw opportunity to make significant amounts of money off of previously purchased cattle. Now we go into a little bit uh, harder weather timeframe, and they put the decisions off for expansion into 24. So we saw an elevated placement in September, My belief is you will see an equal to or greater than placement in October. And then I'm not real sure November. We just don't have enough time under our belts yet to see what the volume of sales is going to be in November, but I don't think it's going to be stupendous. And then now we start 2024 at a lower reduced herd size. In all honesty, that might be bad, but it's nothing uncommon we tend to liquidate to new lows and when we expand we never expand back to previous highs mm-hmm. it's a trend that began in 1978 and is yet to be broken yep in the same manner same time frame we continue to increase beef production That does the same thing. During expansion, beef production swells, but when liquidation, excuse me, other way around, when expansion comes in, we see beef production go down, but yet it doesn't go down to big levels because the carcass weights continue. During expansion times, they really blow up. Excuse me, during liquidation times, they really blow up because not only are they bigger, but we got more numbers to contend with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the, These calves for the big September-October placements, Uh, where'd they come from?
2: All over the place. They came from, from Mexico. We're under the impression that quite a few of them were shipped in from Mexico, but they came from all over the United States. The southeast here pushed cattle in there. We're exceptionally dry down here. And although we had some timely rains that helped our hay production and our pastures, we're bone dry now. So it is nothing to see southeast cattle start moving west, get them into the feed yard, so I don't have to contend with them this winter.
0: Okay. Were some of these calves in the big September-October placements, were they pulled forward from placements that would have happened later this winter?
2: They probably were, but if you look at the mix, so many more were heifers that came in. So okay. that goes back to the previous expansion thoughts of this spring, just kind of being uh, uh, slightly jaded and and moved forward. So in in some respect, no, I, I don't think some of these are pulled forward. I think some of them were never intended to go on okay. feed to begin with. That gotcha. now are.
0: See that? But that's that. Is, what you're doing with that then? Chris is aren't we lengthening out this cycle even further by, by placing those, those heifers on in the feed yard?
2: No doubt whatsoever. And, and on top of that, look at our economic environment that we're going to attempt to expand in really high cattle prices, historically high. In some cases, money, at a price that we haven't seen in 23 years, the price of money. And we have a Federal Reserve that has told us for nine months, we're going to stamp out inflation. Yeah. So I find it very difficult to fight the Fed and expand and attempt to promote things like that when I'm being told, I'm going to try to pull as much money away from you as I possibly can.
0: Okay. Now let's go back to... The middle of September, when the market was starting to roll over, what, what was the positioning of the market participants at that time? And how is that contributing to the price setback that we've got going now?
2: If we look at the futures market, the futures market has multiple more participants in it than the cash market. And there was a time frame through August where somehow a belief came over the industry that cattle prices couldn't go down. Right. And the cash market barely moving, holding right between 150 and 154 for weeks on end, and the futures market just kept going. It, to individuals in the business where they understand basis and understand that basis is going to converge, There was an opportunity there that either the cattle price was going to continue to go up to meet the futures price or the futures price would come down to the cash. And when we looked at cash had not been moving for a while and the futures moving higher widened the basis out even further, it became a business decision. Hey, let's manage some risk and capture the basis. And I think that's all it really simply was there tended to be just a few out there. I think that went, um, to the limit and said, money is of no issue. We'll buy whatever we want when we want, but for the industry as a whole, I I think they pretty much with vertical integration, they had to buy at the higher prices, but they were not chomping at the bit to pay the higher price.
0: Okay. As as you were talking, as you were talking right there, Chris, and I, I'm i hesitant to ask this question because I wouldn't like it if somebody was asking me this question, okay? All but right. I'm going to ask it. How deep could this setback extend?
2: Um, Well, there's no telling. There, there There's no way to know. But if we look at it logistically, we right. just talked about we're not going to have any more cattle in 2024. Actually, right. we'll have a reduced amount. So if we think about opportunity, all through the summer, we had no opportunity to hedge incoming inventory into the feed yard without paying a $15 to $30 premium on the futures. Today, we can now buy feeder cattle futures $10 to $15 under the index. So it's just created an opportunity for a different sector. And and where the sector before beneficiar was the backgrounder, he could market feeder uh-huh. cattle at higher prices in the future yeah. all he wanted to, but the cattle feeder was at a horrible disadvantage. If we turn the slate now, it's in an extreme advantage to the cattle feeder that can buy feeder cattle at a discount in the future, as well as to the packer. The Packer was sitting there with lots of premium onto the futures. Now he has an opportunity to help fix some of that.
0: Right, right. Yes, uh, interesting. We're going to continue this conversation with Chris. Chris Swift from Swift Trading Company. Uh, we're going to talk about the fundamentals of the market. Have they changed that much to drive this much of a price change? That's next here on Anchor.
1: Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where December hard red winter wheat futures were seven and one quarter cents lower at 640. December SRW wheat down five and a half cents to 575 and a quarter. December corn futures were four cents lower at 464. March corn down three and three quarter cents to 479. January soybean futures were four cents higher, 1347 and one half. March beans up three and one quarter to 1360 and three quarters. December cotton was 80 points higher at 77.32. On your livestock's December fat cattle futures, 17 and a half lower, one seventy four seventeen and a half. and a half. Jan feeders up a buck 50, 226, and a half. And December lean hog futures, 45 cents higher today at 71.90. Hey, won't you go to tryprofarmer.com, get more market news every market day. Tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome
0: back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on this Friday afternoon. Tough week in the cattle trade, and we're trying to figure out exactly what is going on in this and we're doing that with Chris Swift, Swift Trading Company. Uh, Chris, I've seen some casual observers of the cattle market say, "Well, it's this surge in feeder cattle supplies that are starting to hammer the market." Um, I've seen others say, "Well, beef demand is just going to, you know, it's just falling apart on us." Well, I I don't see that in the box beef trade. It's been under some pressure, back under three hundred bucks this morning, but. I wouldn't call that falling apart. Uh, The the fundamentals of of the cattle market, do you see any changes that triggered this?
2: No, not really. I I think that when we began to see the October placements heavier, uh, that kind of spooked some people. And then we noticed that the volume of sales for stockers and feeders throughout October were elevated year over year. And so that kind of led us to have that mindset that October was going to have a relatively heavy placement as well. But no, I, I think it's just a, a unfortunate change of the cycle where we believed we were going to get to expand and prices would be higher. Uh, the futures market put on significant premiums, and then when we just weren't able to fulfill that in the cash market, we saw those premiums come off, and then as markets generally do, they go further than what we could ever imagine, Mm -hmm. and that may be a part of this. Again, remember, cattle participants are the only ones that can move cattle. It is a they move as a collectivity of all of the different participants and what they can produce and or what they are under contract to produce. They're the only ones that can actually influence the cattle market. The future side of it can give you ideas of what may be going to come down the road or give you opportunities to participate in that. But in my opinion, the futures market does not change anything in the cattle market. It should not shift any producer's mindset nor business decisions based upon a couple of days price fluctuation. Again, it's a marathon. If you hedged all the way up and you did it properly, you might not have made as much money as those that did not hedge. Of course, as we know, the sun does not always shine on the same dog. Now we're in the opposite side, and that same hedging procedure is going to benefit those that have a much more uh, rigid type hedging program, or really it's not hedging as much as it is risk management. On the way up, I probably paid too much. I assumed more risk than I should. On the way down, I didn't manage my risk as much. I might should have.
0: Right. Exactly, um, it, and that 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 uh, process that you just described right there—it certainly tends to add on to the depth of a downside correction in a market like we're dealing with. Uh, it, it, uh, it 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 extends the downside potential, my opinion, of the market in that kind of a scenario, I believe. What What's your thought?
2: Well, we always have to have convergence of bases. That's the one thing that's that, really yeah. nice about the cattle market is there physical is. delivery on the fat side and the um, cash uh, settled on the feeder cattle side to the index. So, strategies out there showing basis spreads where either they're positive or they're negative and basis is always quoted cash minus futures, So it could be plus or minus it's advantages. And it it is really no different than you making a decision that says, I'm going to market on my terms. And then whatever may happen, it just happens. And what I can assure you is, is the day you go into the sale barn, the gavel slams on that cattle, Seven days later, cattle prices are $20 higher. You don't call the sale barn and start fussing at them, say, look, you made me sell my cattle $20 too cheap. You should have told me they were going to be higher in the future. Nobody knows that. So you have to make that decision yourself. And the one thing I believe more than anything is no one has control over anything but themselves. Therefore, you make the decision Whether good or bad, you can't go out blaming the industry, the futures traders, the commodity funds, the whomever you wish to blame for your decisions. You just can't do that.
0: Yep. Well said. Well said. Earlier in the last segment, you mentioned the Packers. What's going to be their reaction to what's happening?
2: Well, I think they'll be buying the the futures. They'll be buying the fat cattle futures because they're at a discount. It makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. Packers, in my opinion, do not sell futures. They do not Texas hedge. They don't do like producers and say, oh, well, I can only hold 40 cattle or 400 cattle, but I can hold another 10,000 on paper. So I'm going to increase my leverage significantly. Mm -hmm. Producers have tendencies to do that. Packers do not. Packers are managing risk no different than grain elevators or the ADMs and the bungies out there. They are not concerned about price fluctuation. They are concerned about braces spreads that makes them money. Yep. So that, that's my opinion of that. Yeah.
0: So they're a natural short in the market. So to short live cattle futures, it
2: doesn't make sense down. for them.
0: Yeah. You're, they're no, doubling down. None whatsoever.
2: Right. So I, I'm, I'm not ever heard of a risk manager from a packer selling product there. It, it just isn't done.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell me about the beef market, box beef market. What signals are you getting from that?
2: Um, I think that last week's third quarter restaurant earnings were as good of an indicator as ever. We had gotten several warnings by um, publicly traded companies that said traffic is down. And, and I still hear, oh, well, there's a 20-minute wait at my Longhorn Steakhouse. And, and I understand that in some local areas, the demand may still be relatively good. But what I can tell you is that there is an unfortunate that labor tends to still be a bigger problem in that wait time. It's not the number of people waiting to be seated. It's the number of people that can wait on those that are seated. So that's where we're kind of seeing this dis- discrepancy between, oh no, beef demand still really good. I can't get into a restaurant versus the restaurant is running or operating off a of lower employment status.
0: Okay, hold on, I got to make notes on that. <laughs> it's it is the number of it, it's the number of it's the number of wait staff that okay. is available to. to serve the people that are already in and sitting down at the tables
2: that's, that's exactly right that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, we look at employment everywhere and we see that that employment is specifically in fast food or the restaurant industry is down dramatically so it makes perfect sense that there is that and again we see some loss of patronage to that as well. We have lower uh, uh, traffic, restaurant traffic. We have increased menu prices. That was one of the way that Cracker Barrel got away with a higher earnings. They increased their menu prices and had a tiny break on eggs and pork bellies. Probably their two main commodities that they serve. Remember back in the spring of the year, egg prices were just shooting straight up. Port bellies as well, so both of those markets have come down a little bit, and coupled with an increase in re- in menu prices, they were able to show a profit. But they did say that foot traffic was lower.
0: I'll be darned. Okay, yeah, this the potential for a recession, and the consumer. Chris Davis and I have been talking about it. I, I mean, probably three months. You got to. You got. For for many to understand exactly what is going on, we need to stop talking about inflation because at 3% they're like, oh, that's not that far from a 2% and that's what the Fed target is. No, think about your affordability. You know it, because it's the, it's the inflation from 2020, 2021, 22 and into 23 that has made things unaffordable, including that trip to the restaurant, including some of the trips to the grocery stores. Uh, so we're changing up some buying habits already. And uh, it does give me some concern about beef demand going forward. You?
2: It does. There, There is an interesting issue of how much trillions of dollars are. And if you recall, during the COVID, the government literally passed out trillions of dollars. A lot of those dollars have now wound up on deposit that are sitting like a nest egg. And when I run out of money, I've got somewhere to go to get a little bit more. That potentially keeps inflation around for a much longer time frame. Mm -hmm. And then the word straight from Jerome Powell's mouth is we're going to do things to make the consumer stop spending money. We're going to raise interest rates. They're not doing any aspects at all to improve energy prices that would lower those prices Mm -hmm. because that directly impacts the consumer's pocketbook. So as consumers and as you and I businessmen trying to make a living out there and wanting the consumer to spend, the federal government is doing things that causes them not to. Yep. So that battle between is going to last for a long time because they gave us trillions of dollars that we've now stuck away that every time that things get a little tough, I got a resource to come to. Yep. So I believe that it it keeps inflation stagnant for a very much longer period of time. It may or may not create a recession. I think it's hard to simply because of the amount of money that's still out there.
0: Right. Right.
2: You haven't destroyed okay. it yet. You, right. You just haven't destroyed it. And right. that's what they want to do is destroy it.
0: Right. 20 seconds left. You going to call things lower for Monday morning?
2: Probably not. I think that uh, if I was going to do anything, I would be looking real hard at what my basis spread is, what I need to come in and be prepared for this spring. And it looks like feeder cattle and fat cattle are cheapest on the board. That's where I want to buy my product. It's the cheapest place around. Fantastic,
0: Chris Swift, Swift Trading Company. Well done, my friend.
4: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use.
3: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: Find out whose fence they're perched on today on Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody, on your Friday afternoon. We are so glad to have you along with us. Chip Flory is here as well. It's been a big week for you, brother. Oh, yeah. A lot of coming and going.
0: That is exactly right. A lot of early mornings and late nights is what it Mm -hmm. turned into Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. for some travel schedules, but well worth it. Yeah. Well worth it. My gosh, that trip down to uh, the Port of South Louisiana mm-hmm. uh, was was uh, eye-opening for me. Yeah. I knew it was a big facility. I didn't know how big. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that it was an efficient facility. I didn't know how efficient. I didn't mm-hmm. really understand exactly how everything got done. Mm-hmm. But when you see the work that the Stevedores do... And um, the coordinated efforts between different facilities, or I shouldn't say facilities, between different groups, uh, how it makes things come together, is it was really really cool. And the biggest thing, one of the, Mm -hmm. I, I mean the the comment from Paul Matthews, the CEO of the Port of South Louisiana that I'm going to remember for a long time, is when he was talking about the dredging of the lower Mississippi to get it to 50 foot so that the ocean-going vessels could take on five more foot of draft. Every foot on those ocean-going vessels is worth $1 million per ship, per visit to the port.
1: That's substantial.
0: Do it. Do that three thousand times.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And all of a sudden, we're talking about what fifteen billion dollars. It's crazy.
1: So this is your second visit to a to a, a port mm-hmm. in as mm-hmm. in as many weeks. Port of Grays first, and now Louisiana. Uh, people are having such a good time with this. You paint such a great picture of it from the ground down there. Uh, can is there is there talk of a third visit to a port, perhaps? We might.
0: We might be working on something and seeing where we might go next
1: now given Absolutely. your given your travel schedule, I understand it's a dangerous question to ask you today <laughs> <laughs> please do no more please I want to sleep <laughs> but I, but uh, just it's just so insightful it's it's really cool um, yeah it's
0: it's sure. very cool it's a lot of yeah. fun yeah.
1: yeah um people don't know what a trillion dollars is chip I would agree I don't know how much that is I can't picture that I don't know yeah. how much that is a trillion
0: it's not easy is it is it even uh, a number? So it I heard this I'm going to try to get it right. I heard this some time ago. I think it's when we were at uh oh, like a 16 or an 18 trillion dollar debt and now here we are at 33 to 34 trillion <laughs> dollars in debt. Yeah. Uh but back at in the 18 trillion dollar days I heard, you know somebody turned it into time and I did the math to check it out to make sure that it was right. So if you start counting right now and say a number every second, it will take you almost 12 days to get to 1 million. Okay? Okay. 12 days to get to 1 million. Now, to get to 1 billion, it will take you 32 years.
1: And you're talking one number per second. I'm counting 24 hours second. a day, one number per second.
0: Exactly. It will take you 32 years to count to 1 billion. Well, you add three zeros to get to a trillion. Ugh. If you started counting right now and gave us a number every second, it will take you 32,000 years to get to one trillion it it just now apply that to dollars and the way that Mm -hmm. that spending a trillion dollars in the farm bill at 1.51 trillion dollars how easily that slips off our tongue now yeah it's disgusting is what it is it's too much yes
1: um On the subject of is there enough pain in the U.S. economy right now? I wonder if consumers might inflict pain on themselves based on uh, what you guys were talking about, and based on the level of credit card debt. The holiday season is coming right up here. Um, Does the market fix itself on the on the computer or on the uh, the consumer level here, just by getting overextended on credit? I don't know. Got
0: to be careful. I know they do. Got to be careful. And you know the thing is, we are seeing house sales. Mm-hmm. are still pretty good mm-hmm. I mean the 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 undercurrent of the economy continues to flow there are signs of a strong economy but at the same time the it, the waters are certainly muddied by what might happen next on the interest rate front and other issues out there so yeah
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh okay. great talk with Chris Swift. Yes.
0: Yeah, we had a we, we had a call earlier today. Oh and uh the call was geez uh pro farmer missed the national average corn yield by three bushel or <laughs> is close to it. What changed? Did you change your methodology? Well thank you for your vote of confidence in uh what we've done in the past. But no. No we didn't change methodology. Of course we didn't. We won't. Uh, What we have done worked. That 172 number that we put out there compared to the 174.9 that USDA gave us yesterday uh, was made the third week of August. And it was a a snapshot. And you know what the talk is, man? for the last three weeks, four weeks. Everybody's Uh, surprised. Where did all this corn come from? Where did we might have to make some adjustments in the future for where did all this corn come from? But uh, no, we didn't make any adjustments to our methodology or anything. Uh, I wonder if the listener would
1: be happier if we put in a little fudge factor. Well, in the crop, you know. And here's
0: the thing. Here's the thing. What 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 gotcha failed to to mention Mm -hmm. was that we only missed the bean number by two tenths of a bushel.
1: Oh, left that off. Yeah. Yeah,
0: left that part off. National Weather Service six to ten day outlook November sixteenth through the twentieth. Above normal temperatures over almost the entire country. And the bullseye for above normal, southern Minnesota, eastern South Dakota, eastern Nebraska, western Iowa. Above normal precipitation expected south of the Nebraska-Iowa-Illinois line, near normal expected north of that. Hey, thank you so much for listening today. you got to come back. On Monday morning gonna have a conversation with Chuck Grassley and Machinery Pete and Monday afternoon fresh off of the wind at BYU. Oh no, not that Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell StoneX.